when I was here, unfortunately, things happened where we didn't win, guys got hurt, but I enjoyed the city, I enjoyed the people, I had some real relationships with people that came from being out here. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, another team preview podcast, a very interesting team preview podcast for you today. We're going to be looking at the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that has a ton of intrigue for fantasy and of course for the real life NBA. So Michael Bolton, let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. To talk about the Lakers, I welcome back the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Anthony Irwin. He's back with us again. Anthony, welcome back to the show. It's been a while, man. I feel like I haven't talked to you in like 24 hours or so. Yeah, it's uh, maybe maybe 48, but uh, you there is so much going on <laughs> in Lakers world that you're a constant guest on Locked On NBA with me. But we're here to talk from a different perspective now. We're here to preview this entire season, not the uh, excruciating minutiae that is the Lakers front office drama and offseason, although some of that will definitely, uh, definitely creep into what we're talking about here. Just before we get into talking about all of that, though, just a, a quick mention for anyone who doesn't know, DeMarcus Cousins, of course, has torn his ACL, and Anthony, we're not seeing him this year, are we? No, no. I, I actually think the Lakers are probably going to wind up cutting him uh, relatively soon. I don't know if if uh, if it's come across your your timeline or whatever, but TMZ unearthed oh, yeah. a video uh, that that is allegedly Demarcus Cousins threatening his uh, the mother of his kid. Uh, they're they're going through the procedure and the investigation. The NBA is holding one. The Lakers are holding one, and then. Uh, Mobile Alabama is holding their own, so uh, I don't think I don't think Demarcus makes it through all of this as a Laker, let alone playing uh, this year in the NBA. I don't think I don't think he'll be healthy this year either. Yeah, um, that uh, that recordings came out a couple of hours before we we're recording here, and this uh, podcast going up a couple of days later, so there might be more information by the time this podcast is actually uh, in your ears and you're listening to it. But it, it's not a great look for Cousins if that's actually him on that phone uh, threatening yeah. threatening that uh, lady no matter what the uh, no matter what the circumstances were leading up to it. I, I said before when he tore his ACL, I worry that he's ever going to get back into the NBA again and this could be a further nail in that coffin, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm thinking this winds up to. He was already running low on chances because of his own physical limitations. His body was literally giving out on him. This is now three major injuries to that one left leg. So I don't know how many teams are really going to convince themselves to, to take a chance on Cousins. And then you throw all of this off-court stuff. Uh, and, and yeah, he's just I – don't, I don't really know whether a team considers him worth the, uh, worth the risk there. I'm going to guess the majority of them don't. So if you're in a dynasty format and you have Cousins, I think you should be trying to get anything back that you can. I just don't see it from him. Uh, unfortunately, yep. in the future due to these injuries and now this off-court stuff, let's start mm-hmm. with uh, the leader of the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony, of course. LeBron James. A little bit of a disappointing season for LeBron last year. Um, the groin obviously bothering him. It appeared to be more severe than, one, than uh, what was initially reported. And it was one of his worst seasons in uh, over his career. He, he didn't um, He didn't crack the top 10 for fantasy for basically ever, for the first time in forever. 
The free throw shooting dropped way off. The three-point shooting dropped way off. Uh, he still put up 27, 8, and 8, so they're still really good numbers, but that efficiency did drop off there. Now, with LeBron this season, he played 35 minutes a game last year. Do you see him about that same level in terms of playing time? With Davis around, will he take a further step back in terms of a minute load? Or where are we at with uh, what we see from LeBron and his playing uh, time this year? Playing time is going to be tricky. I think, look, if there is a season, if there's a set of circumstances that would lead to LeBron having one final crazy LeBron season, it would be this. He didn't have to play in the postseason. As you said, he missed a quarter of the season last year. He's had a full offseason to focus on rehabilitation, further conditioning himself, all of that stuff. And he's been hearing all year, you know, it's this is the first year. It's not even a question that he isn't the better, the best player in the in the NBA, right? It's Giannis, and 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 it's by a wide margin. And I, you know, I think LeBron is going to want to set a tone for this Lakers season and send like one final message out to anybody who might've been doubting him as a result of last season. I actually think it's going to be a monster year for, for LeBron this year. In turn, we've heard the reports coming out of him moving and playing more of that point guard role uh, this season, perhaps starting as the point guard with uh, whatever sort of configuration they want to use there on the wings. We saw his assist rate start to jump up at the end of last season. Now, how much do you think is he, he's just going to be running things now, unless unless the Lakers want to go back to the Rajon Rondo experiment? I, they shouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> I certainly hope they don't. I, yeah, but yeah, to, to your point or to your question, he is, in terms of players who should start, like the, the, the starting caliber players on the roster, the Lakers don't have a starting caliber point guard, an unquestionably starting caliber point guard on the roster. Depending on how you feel about Alex Caruso, maybe he, he kind of nudges himself into that conversation or into that status over the course of the year, but he's not that now. Uh, Quinn Cook definitely isn't there. Troy Daniels definitely isn't there, and he's not even really a point guard. And then, you know, you and I laughed about Rajon Rondo. So I think what it's going to look like is Avery Bradley and Contavious Caldwell-Pope will kind of be competing for the the nominal point guard role, and, and, and LeBron James will be handling the point guard creative duties. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I really think he's going to, on top of the stuff that I talked about earlier, he's going to have the ball in his hands a ton this year. And he has probably the best finisher of of pick and rolls that he's had ever uh, for, you know, on his team and Anthony Davis. So I I think really that's that's a combination here between the health, him wanting to send a message, the role he's going to be playing in. He's I I would be shocked. I, I, I don't know where you have him going in in fantasy drafts i would take him number one overall and i I don't think i would think all that hard about it uh i would have him nowhere near number one overall to be honest really he has never the last time he was the number one overall player was the 2010 11 season so we're a long way from that he was 15th last year fourth year before that ninth sixth eighth he just has the free throw percentage shooting is 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 a real negative in terms there he doesn't shoot a big volume of threes to me, he's the back end of the first round, start of the start of the second round sort of a guy, around that 10 to 12 sort of a range. But I do think that he can have a career high in assists this season. And if the free throws go back up, he could very easily be back inside the top 10. But he wasn't a top 10 guy. He wasn't even close to a top 10 guy yeah. last season. Yeah, the free, throw, the free throw stuff is legitimately worrying. And I kind of wonder, I, it was the weirdest thing. I don't know if we've ever really seen 
you know, Russell Westbrook dealt with some free throw stuff last year too, but I don't know if we've ever really seen somebody go that far off their free throw percentage average for a career in uh, quite a while. And it was something that, you know, it kind of started at the beginning of the year and everybody just kind of like said, okay, yeah, that'll come around at some point. And then he got to midway through the season and he said, wow, this is what's really going on here. Is that, is that going to come around? And then, you know, he got hurt and it never came back around. Uh, I, I don't know if it's something that I would bank on coming back around because you never know with free throw shooting. It's a very mental kind of thing. And if you get, if you develop the yips on it, then you just develop the yips and that's just kind of where it goes. But you know, if it isn't a mental problem, I think physically he's gifted enough, as we've seen, for him to be able to hit free throws at a higher clip than he shot last year. Yeah, that, that's something that is holding him back, and you just wonder whether it is going to come back because his numbers have fluctuated quite a bit from that area. His three-point shooting also well off last season. But look, if yeah. LeBron ended up as a top-five guy, I don't think I'd be too surprised. I think probably top seven is, is more of a realistic ceiling for what LeBron can do this season. I think the top five are pretty set, but... Uh, he does obviously have that ability to post what I believe could be career high in assist numbers. Now, the other guy we've mentioned, the other big name on this team is Anthony Davis, who I think is definitely in that discussion to be the number one overall player. I think there are five guys in that mix. It's Harden, Curry, Davis, um, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Carl Anthony Towns, who maybe he's a little bit behind those other guys. Davis played uh, you know, fantastically well last season for the Pelicans until the whole trade demand and sitting down and shut down and all that sort of a situation. There is some concern that people have him coming across to the Lakers and how his usage is going to sit alongside LeBron. But outside of those two guys and maybe throwing Kyle Kuzma there, there's no one else that's really going to be any sort of focal point of the offense. Yeah, if there's a place where the DeMarcus Cousins injury is going to positively affect somebody, it's probably Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean, I maybe JaVale McGee. Ja- JaVale gets a larger role in general, you know, but but even then they signed Dwight Howard, so I don't know what you know what that would even mean. But but for for Davis, DeMarcus was probably gonna be the team's kind of secondary creator. Uh he's he's a better passer than Davis has been over the course of his career. De, uh, Demarcus's than Davis, yep. but with Demarcus now gone, I think that now opens up the the spot for Davis to be more of a creative, have more of a creative impact on the team. And yeah, I, it's I, I guess to now that it, uh, upon thinking about it a little bit more, if there is something that would kind of stymie some of LeBron's value, it's Davis having one of those monster years where he reminds people that he was on the trajectory to being you know, where Giannis is now. So yeah, I could, I could see Davis having such a, you know, such a crazy year now with a larger creative role that, that he would have a a pretty interesting season. Last year, he was the number two overall player, despite just 33 minutes a game. And I imagine that's going to go up this season. He averaged 2.4 blocks and 1.6 steals. I think that because of his refusal to play center, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on Locked on NBA, Anthony, uh, his rebound and block numbers may decrease because he played nearly all of his time last season as a center. And that saw him post uh, career best in terms of rebound numbers and the block numbers were pretty good. But they also did fall off a little bit towards uh, the end of the season. It also may impact his field goal percentage, but I'm not overly worried about that. 
Uh, I'm also not worried about the fact that he only played 56 games last year. We know the reason behind that. So yeah. I think that Davis is fine in as the number one pick, two, three, anywhere in that mix of the top four. They're all relatively interchangeable, those guys. And I think that uh, the addition of LeBron James, even if it does take a marginal hit of usage away, the fact that LeBron's there opens a lot up for him. And I'm not really worried again. When you're looking at Avery Bradley and Catavius Caldwell-Pope and Danny Green and JaVale McGee being the guys surrounding those two, they're going to do everything that they can on offense every time they're on the court. And there's going to be no one else out there who's really going to be taking those shots away from Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the other member of the big three, of course, Kyle Kuzma. (laughs) Um, Anthony, is he going to, uh, is he going to start? Do you think? No, I don't. I'd be surprised if he did, if he starts, because now you're talking about, he would have to play out of position. Yes. Right. Either he or, or either he or Danny Green would have to play out of, out of position because he would have to either play the four or he'd have to play the two. Uh, and if he played the four, we saw that he can't handle playing the four, physically speaking, uh, last year. That really took a toll on him. He kind of offered up a quote saying that he was okay playing the five. And it was funny because usually when a player says something rah-rah, like I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win, if that's where coach wants me, that's where I'm going to go. Usually fans eat that stuff right up. <laughs> but this is one of the cases where he said he was willing to play the five. And all all of the people who were responding to the tweets and the headlines about it were like, no, no, we don't want that at all. Stay away from the five, stay at the three, stay at the four occasionally. And uh, and yeah, so I, I, I think he winds up being now. I do think there's value in him being kind of a six man kind of a player in the same way that, you know, Jamal Crawford offered up value when he was uh, at his peak, you know, and Lou Williams offers up some value at his peak. He's another guy because of DeMarcus Cousins injury. He'll be seen as son of a, a bit of a, a creative force for secondary units. So maybe that's where he shows some of those chops. But uh, I would be surprised if he starts. And if he starts, it would be probably for the wrong reasons, like Jeannie Buss wanting her her Kobe 2.0 to, to start when he really shouldn't be. He is a guy that when Cousins got injured, it helped his overall fantasy value. And then Dwight Howard got brought in and it hurt his overall fantasy yeah. value. Because as I've mentioned on this show plenty of times, when if, if Howard and McGee are playing the minutes at center, that means less minutes for Anthony Davis at center, which means fewer minutes available for Kuzma to play behind Davis. And then he has to yeah. squeeze into other positions. He's never been a top 100 player despite all the hoopla and all the minutes that he's gotten because of his lack of defensive stats. Below average rebound numbers. Efficiency is below average marginally as well. Like he can score okay, but now this season with Davis around, I think that's going to be impacted too. I don't think he gets to that 19 points per game that he scored last season. And to me, he is significantly overranked on ESPN at 78. Uh, Yahoo's at 123, which is about right. Still a little bit high. Fantrax at 101, too high as well. And on Yahoo, he's getting drafted inside the top 100, which again, I have want nothing to do with that. Uh, I just don't see the ability for him to get that same sort of role that he had last season or even as a rookie to be able to put up those sorts of numbers. Danny Green. Now, after after these guys, after honestly, after LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis, it's pretty lean on this Lakers team for fantasy value. Actually, we'll go to JaVale McGee, the other guy who I think can be a top 100 player. I saw some uh, reports today saying that McGee and Howard are going to compete for the starting center job. That seems stupid to me. McGee should be that guy, but he's just not a player that's going to go out and play 30 minutes a night, is he? No, he's he's not capable physically of it. He Now, he will tell you that he is. He will say that, you know, the asthma isn't a problem and, and it's held him back in terms of the narrative about him. But, 
you know, last year he started he, he started the season pretty well. He was uh, all over the place. I, he was a blocks leader for a good oh, yeah. chunk of the year. Yeah. And and, you know, for that for that stretch, he was he he looked like, you know, a bounce back player of the year kind of candidate. And then he got the pneumonia. And, and I don't know, you know, with something like pneumonia, you don't know if there's a real cause for it. But he has asthma and it does affect his ability to stay on the court. It does affect, you know, just his ability to breathe out there on the court when he gets really tired, when he gets really winded. And I, I think, you know, he's going to push himself to be able to play like that. But, you know, if the Lakers are smart, they'll see how last year went and they'll say, hey, let's just let's keep you to a more sensible, a more logical role. And and that would hurt his his fantasy value. I still think he's worth drafting. ESPN's got him at 95 and Yahoo's got him at 102. That's about right. I think he's going to be a top 100 player. He did have stretches of playing those 30 minutes a night last season down the back end of the year, 30, 30, 19, 32, 35, 29, 32, 30, 27, 33, down the stretch with some 20 and 10 games, a 33 and 20 game in there for for JaVale McGee with six blocks. He was putting up absolute monster numbers. And if he gets to those numbers, then he's a top 50 sort of a player. So I really do like him at the back end, but it just, there's a lot of uncertainty with how they're going to utilize him and what that minutes limit actually is going to be for JaVale as we move forward. Outside of Davis, James and McGee, there's not really many guys or any guys actually that I think are going to be top. 100 players, but Danny Green is one of those guys who's pretty much locked in as a starter, had an unbelievable Mm -hmm. season as a shooter for the Raptors last season. He hit, I don't know, 46, I'm just bringing it up now. To have a look what his three-point percentage was, he hit uh, 40, yeah, 46% of his threes last year and was the 107th ranked player in 28 minutes a night. I think we'd be foolish to expect him to hit 46% of his threes again, but he's just going to come in and, and do that same sort of role, high 20s in minutes and, and bang in threes and provide excellent transition defense. That's his role on the Lakers. Yeah, he'll, you know, I don't know what kind of steals number he gave last year. He, he's he's a, he's just, he's he's a better team defender, I think, yep. than he is a statistical defender. He's a great shot blocker. Which, yeah, he's he just he he plays his role really well, and that's really valuable for basketball teams. I just don't know where the the value has always been for fantasy basketball. The thing with Danny Green, all of the Lakers last year, just about every single player who was associated with the Lakers had down seasons as shooters last year, uh, and and this has been a thing that's been associated with the Lakers for about as long as I can really remember that, you know, they would acquire guys who were specialists as shooters and outside of like Glenn Rice, nobody really has lived up to their reputation as shooters. Uh, They had Vladimir Radmanovich for a while. His numbers kind of went into the tank last year. They acquired Reggie Bullock, who was actually shooting the ball pretty well. And then he got to the Lakers and his shot fell off of a cliff. Contavious Caldwell Pope, his, his, been up and down, but mostly down as a shooter. I don't know. I, I don't know if the Lakers cultivate the kind of situation that helps shooters optimize their abilities there. So I think I would really be dubious. I would want Danny Green to prove to me what he can do as a shooter in in the Lakers organization before I go out there and think he'll come anywhere near the forty six percent he shot last season. He did have a stretch of about four consecutive seasons where he shot 40% from three back as a member of the San Antonio Spurs. But then those last three years before last year, he was at 38, 39, 39, which is not terrible, but it's also not 46%. uh, Sorry, 33, 38, and 36. It's definitely not uh, 46%. So there is 
uh, a bit of a drop off there. So I expect a pretty significant drop off in his three point percentage again. Him and Joe Harris were those two guys who are up at 46, 47. I don't see how either of them. That's such a ridiculously high level. It's so insane. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say, oh, I think it'll get better. Like there's almost definitely going to be a drop off. And even if it drops off to 42, which is still a, a great number, it's still a drop off. So I think we look at that for Green. I think he's an interesting later round guy, but pretty limited in upside. Still, ESPN's got him ranked too low at number 171. He's more of that 120 sort of a guy. And that's fine, just to be pretty limited upside in what he can do there. You mentioned Avery Bradley already. He got pretty hot at the end of the season for the Memphis Grizzlies after being you know, fairly trash for the first of the first half for the Clippers and for the Detroit Pistons the year before. I tend to think that those... Um, yeah, hundred plus games were more of an indicator of where he is now rather than the ten games he played for the Grizzlies. Do you think that he will get uh, the nod as the starter, or will go to Kentavious Caldwell Pope? Well, Clutch would say that it'll be Pope, but even by those standards, the, a bunch was made across Lakers Twitter when LeBron was out there was was kind of playing around on NBA Two K, and the lineup he had was Avery Bradley. Uh, Danny Green himself, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. And, you know, everybody kind of said, well, that's that's going to be the starters next year. And I don't I don't think LeBron's NBA 2K habits are, are any kind of predictive indicator for these kinds of things. But he makes the most sense there. He, he is probably the Lakers. He, he's either their best or second best uh, on point, you know, point of attack defender. And that, they're going to need that for whoever plays point guard alongside LeBron in those lineups. Uh, he is, you know, it's weird. I went back and I looked at his shooting and and his impact. I just wrote the preview for him for Silver Screen and Roll. And it was just for the Clippers that he seemed to play his worst. Uh, for Detroit, he had a bad net rating. Don't get me wrong. But Detroit's kind of wasn't particularly great. And his shooting numbers for Detroit were, were okay. And then he his shot fell off of a cliff when he went to the the Clippers at the end of two seasons ago. Last year, his shoot, his shot was around 33-ish percent, I believe, while he was a Clipper. And then, like you said, he played significantly better for, for Memphis. I don't know if it was Doc Rivers kind of overstretching Avery Bradley, thinking that he was the Avery Bradley he coached in Boston. And other coaches have a more realistic attitude about where – and how to use Bradley, and I, I kind of wonder if that's gonna if that impact is gonna carry over, or or at least if I was telling people reasons or giving people reasons to be optimistic about him, that's where I would start. Is that he'll have a more realistic uh, role that he's gonna be playing in compared to when he was playing for Doc Rivers, who who any Clippers fan will tell you just completely overworked Bradley. In those games for Memphis, he was a top 100 fantasy player, but that was on a usage of 22% and minutes 32, which I don't think he's getting either of those things on this Lakers team. So he's a guy I think we can fairly comfortably avoid in fantasy formats. He'll have the occasional game, I think, where he gets hot, but it's just not going to be likely that he replicates that level of usage. Yeah, I would monitor the players around him. Like if if Contavious Cobble-Pope gets kind of banged up or Danny Green gets kind of banged up, I think then Bradley becomes an interesting guy to, to, to go with. But until that kind of happens, I don't really see it. I want to, I, I, I meant to make this point earlier about JaVale, the Dwight Howard acquisition being Dwight Howard specifically, I think kind of helps JaVale because there's so much overlap there that there aren't going to be situations that JaVale is going to be, get is going to get played off the court and they won't have another option there because 
Davis doesn't want to play center on a regular basis. And if there's a matchup that doesn't make sense for JaVale, it also doesn't really make sense for Dwight Howard either. So situation situationally speaking, there aren't going to be many that, that come up that JaVale that aren't going to make sense or, or mean or lead to JaVale McGee not getting minutes. Let's uh, let's talk about Dwight Howard now. Then we, we spoke about him on Locked yeah. On NBA during the week. He's back Damn. here um, on his non guaranteed deal. If it was any other team apart from the Lakers, I'd say there's no chance that he, he does take the majority of those sentiments. But there is a, a possibility that some weird stuff does go on here. I want nothing to do with him in any sort of fantasy league. Ranked at 91 on ESPN is a an auto drafter's absolute nightmare to be getting Dwight Howard there. Do you think? Uh, I guess the more appropriate question is: Does he play more than 20 minutes a night? I hope not. I, I that would be a disaster because because that would mean that that JaVale either got hurt or wasn't up for the challenge of playing, or the politics of signing Dwight led to them utilizing in, him in a way that he probably shouldn't be utilized. The thing that I don't think is getting enough attention is we don't know what kind of physical state Dwight Howard is in right now. He says that he's lost twenty five pounds, but he said that for like the last seven years. Yeah. Like he's he, he's been he's been promising weight loss over the last seven and and if he's kept up if that weight loss has been real, either he weighs about as much as I do right now, less significantly less than I weigh right now, uh, or over the course of the season he just eats like an animal, and and isn't able to really control his weight. So one of those two things isn't neither of those things are really great for 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 his ability to stay healthy, and I don't know I don't. I don't know that he's he's in the in physical good enough shape right now to be able which is crazy is a crazy thing to say about somebody like Dwight Howard who is like a Greek god is built like a Greek god but I don't know if he's physically well enough to put, to take on that kind of a role. Yeah, that, that's the query I have with Howard as well. Is how is his back going to hold up? You know, knee problems in the past as well. I just don't see him being able to take on any sort of role that's going to make him a useful enough fantasy player. Uh, back to Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, if he doesn't start and it is Avery Bradley there, look, he, he was limited at times, got benched for Josh Hart during last season, only played 25 minutes a night. Had an interesting stretch down the end of the season where he got hot on some pretty big usage, but uh, that's unlikely to be able to continue. I think we're just going to see more of the same from him, get some steals, hit some threes, and play that low 20-minute role. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a significantly better player when there are no stakes uh, involved in the games that he's playing in. And, you know, this year, the Lakers are hoping to have, you know, serious playoff and title aspirations from right from the get-go. So I want to see how he handles that kind of a situation uh, just in general. It's it's a very intangible line of analysis here, but if you really go throughout his career, the times that he's played his absolute best has been on bad teams, and and when there's no expectations for him, and he can kind of just go out there and shoot whenever he touches a ball, and and kind of shoot for for stats to be able to get paid. That's not going to be the situation this year with the Lakers, and I don't know how he's going to handle that kind of a role. Yeah, look, he's a very limited fantasy option as well. Maybe he's a top 200 guy, but that, that seems pretty unlikely. Let's talk about someone who everyone who listens to this podcast loves me talking about, and that is Rajon Rondo. We, all, we both have the same <laughs> sort of idea about him as being not a good NBA player at all and that Alex Caruso is superior, but of course the Lakers don't seem to believe that. So we are going to uh, he's going to play minutes, but the question is, is it 27 minutes? Is it 19 minutes? It's <laughs> it should be closer to nine. Yeah, uh, but it who knows? It, I, mean, I don't. I, it's it's impossible to say. 
the the problem with trying to analyze Rajon Rondo in in that entire situation is the the thing that should happen is so far removed from how they've approached things with Rondo. Last year, Alex Caruso was worlds better than Rondo last year by a lot. Even while both were playing alongside each other, he was just a much better player. But that didn't seem to matter until Rondo finally told the coaching staff, all right, I think I should probably be shut down for the year. That was Rondo saying that. That was not that was not a Lakers decision. And, you know, here again, Caruso is still a much better player than Rondo. He tries on defense for one thing. He can knock down catch-and-shoot three-pointers. Rondo is still one of the, the lowest-assisted three-point shooters in the league. Uh, that started to go up at the end of the year because he stopped caring, but he wants to, d- you know, dominate the ball and dribble the, the ball anytime he catches it. And as such, it's going to throw off the rhythm of the team. So what's best for the Lakers is he doesn't play at all. Uh, but the Lakers, as we've seen over for way too long, don't always do what's best for the Lakers. I don't think that Rondo should be considered to be drafted in any league outside no. of, say, a 20-team league. Again, we don't see him getting that role. We both believe Caruso is better. And Caruso put up some good numbers in the last season. But I also think that with the politics that goes on, he's not necessarily going to be an every-night part of the rotation. Um, Jared right. Dudley, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, these guys were all brought in as well. Which one of those three do you think is more likely to be an every-night um, player on this team? Whew. Troy Daniels, Quinn Cook, or Jared Dudley? I think Jared Dudley is has the best chance at it because uh, he's the best of those three players. Quinn Cook has a chance too just because the Lakers are really going to be needing shooting, especially from their backcourt. So I, I, I think it goes Dudley, Cook, and Daniels. But I don't think any of those three guys are, are going to get enough of a role to, to be considered in fantasy leagues. I know a lot of people have been interested in Cook. The Lakers need shooting around LeBron, but he does struggle so much defensively. And just finding that role with KCP, with Bradley, with Rondo, with Caruso, those guys are all going to be in the look for minutes there. It is hard to see that. But when he does play, we know he puts up threes and we know that he does that very efficiently. Anthony, before I get you out of here, the Lakers had a second round pick in this last draft. Taylor Horton Tucker. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him at Summer League. I'm really mm-hmm. intrigued by what he can do, but it's more going to be uh, pay attention to the South Bay Lakers box score this season, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think we see any of Taylor Horton Tucker with the parent team this year. We kind of saw this last year with Mo Wagner, where the Lakers as an organization, unless you're an absolute superstar, they aren't really interested in seeing you as a rookie. Um, and and so, like, we saw it with Thomas Bryant before Mo Wagner. And then Mo Wagner got hurt. And as a result, we d- didn't see Wagner until the season was basically over. And I think we're, it's, it would be that kind of a situation here with Taylor Horton Tucker again. Uh, but as just as a as a prospect, yeah, he's he's fascinating. He's he looks like he's going to be able to defend multiple positions. He has crazy long arms for for somebody his size. The question with him is his conditioning. The Lakers had their like rookie photo shoot, and they weren't able really to find a, uh, an angle that <laughs> that didn't make him look like a blogger. Uh, so that was that was kind of a fun, we had some fun with that uh, in in the silver screen and roll slack and stuff like that. But but as of as of right now, if if Taylor Horton Tucker plays anything close to a consistent role for the Lakers, something went either just astoundingly great in Taylor Horton Tucker's case or just 
disastrously wrong in the Lakers case. Yeah, his his body is just go and look up pictures of Taylor Horton Tucker. His body is <laughs> is <great>. hilarious. It's <laughs> so like it just doesn't it doesn't look like it's been distorted. He's huge long arms, weird long sh- weird wide shoulder. I don't know. I think he's going to be yeah. a good player, but it is it is a it is a, a stag staggering look to see and go what what's actually going on here with this guy. So that I think will cover <laughs> most of these uh, most of these players on the Lakers. Just go quickly through some value and bus guys. I think McGee at one hundred and two on Yahoo is pretty good value. I think Kuzma at ESPN on Yahoo, sorry uh, at seventy eight on ESPN is uh, way too high there, Kyle Kuzma. So yeah. Anthony. Thank you for jumping back onto the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast to preview your Lakers. Everyone can find you over at the Locked On Lakers Podcast. Where else can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Anthony Irwin LA, and I'm usually the person people are yelling at. Yeah, so go so. and uh, jump in Anthony's mentions and uh, <laughs> give him some positive feedback instead of the the vitriol that uh, does head his way as so so much of that passionate Laker fan base gets gets involved. Anthony, thanks for jumping on with me. Anytime, man. Anytime. And that'll do it for today's podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify, and of course on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Howard.